for 2,000 years. The sacred art of the ninja has been guarded in the East. Now, it has come to the West. The squeaky floor gets the ninja. I'm Kevin Leeson. My lethally clever intro has been disguised as this ordinary one with the power of ninjutsu. I'm Joe Fulgham. Be careful in outhouses. You might not be the only thing that's silent but deadly. I'm Nels Anderson. I'm not a ninja. But if I were a ninja, I'm not a ninja. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is... Caustic Soda! It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you, Nels Anderson! But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational, strapped in for the Caustic Soda Show! So the first thing I want to talk about on this episode of Ninja is uh, source material. Because there's a lot of myths uh-huh. about Ninja. Uh, a little fi- uh, fifth in faction? So, yes. Yeah, so my research uh, has primarily come from a few sources. That is Anthony Cummins, the founder of, I guess you would say, the Historical Ninjutsu Research Team. Now, Anthony or Anthony? <laughs> Anthony. Oh, so his H has gone ninja. Yes. Yeah, it's like... Nowhere uh, to be found. It could be there. Uh He has written several books, and he lives in Japan, and he has a team of translators who are going through old uh, scrolls. Yeah. Uh Cherry picking. Ninja scrolls. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's that source. There's also Matt Alt, who wrote a book called Ninja Attack. And there is uh, lots of conflicting information before those two sources already. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. There's also uh, our... Our guest expert on bats, Yvonne Morin, wrote a kid's book uh, for ninjas. What? Oh, so she, she sent me the manuscript for that, so I grabbed some cool stuff from there. Okay. Is it The Littlest Ninja? <laughs> the Littlest Ninja. L-A-L apostrophe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's our uh, that's our our next source of information, oh, is hey. our special guest expert, uh-huh. Nels. That's me. What's your bona fides? Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Scooped. Uh. He, um, he ninjaed me. I made a video game about ninjas, which is not like at all historically accurate or anything like that. But <laughs> in doing so, we did do a bunch of research. I picked up a bunch of stuff in doing that. Did any did of you, you go to Japan and kill someone? The first part. Not for the game. I've just been to Japan <laughs> in the past. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So a lot. Um, there's one British, I think British scholar in particular, Stephen Turnbull, who does a ton of stuff about just like feudal Japanese history in general. Yep. And so some of his books are ninja-like Mm-hmm. Okay. Hard to find. All right, uh, that's <laughs> legit. And I'm gonna say, Mark of the Ninja, very, very fine game. I picked it up because because Torin was like, my friend made it, and I was like, okay, sure, I'll grab it. It's on sale, and then played it, and I was like, this is really cool. 
Thanks. Like, I really, Thanks. really like it. All right, good it's, times. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll explore that maybe a little bit more in the pop culture section. Yeah. Ninja is early middle Chinese influenced reading of the two kanji, which I cannot describe. Right. They're, those are the calligraphy kind of characters. Yeah, the little uh, ideograms, whatever yeah. you want to call them. These two words read in Japanese pronunciation read as shinobi no mono. As Chinese pronunciation, they read ninsha. Okay. Oh. So it's so actually ninja. the Chinese pronunciation that oh, gives sh- you the name ninja. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And these uh, two words. Well, that's why also that video game where you play a ninja is called Shinobi. shinobi. Yeah. Ah. Literally, Shinobi and Nin mean stealth uh-huh. or silence. And Mono and Sha mean person. So stealthy person. Sneaky stealthy person. person. Yeah. yeah. Now, sedatophobia or sedatophobia uh-huh. means fear of silence. Japanophobia means fear of Japanese. Okay. <laughs> and arenophobia means fear of men. So I submit to you. Uh-huh. Japanos potato renophobia <laughs> is the fear of ninjas. Because it's the fear of silent Japanese men? Yes. I would say that the fear of ninja is wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least easier to pronounce. Sure. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. So ninjas, first and foremost, uh, throw throwing stars. They wear uh, all black pajamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can disappear at a moment's notice. So it's like me so far. Okay. What else do I know about? That's it. That's all you need to know about a ninja. That's it. That's the sum total, right? Well, my last source, episode over. My secret weapon. Uh huh. I have a friend or an acquaintance uh-huh. Uh-huh. who is a ninja. Oh. Are they in this room? Right now, are there, there might s- be. There are several ninja in this room. Those are our other guests uh-huh. who you will not see or hear. Excellent. During the episode, um, and I asked her several questions. The first of which being, is there such as a thing as a real ninja these days? So you ask somebody who claims to be a real ninja. Yeah. If there's such a thing, exactly. Okay. All right. I would be. I would be very surprised if she says no. This is her answer. This question comes down to what you mean by a real ninja. The idea of a ninja has been very romanticized and held in time by pop culture. It's akin to asking if there are any real cowboys left these days based on what we see in Hollywood and spaghetti westerns. Oh. That's a much better answer Yeah, that's than actually I was a very good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Some of what people may think of as real ninja qualifiers may never have really existed, and other qualifiers may have changed with the times. If you're asking if there are any enclaves of real cowboys slash ninjas <laughs> out there somewhere in middle America slash Japan that are living exactly as their ancestors lived centuries ago without having reacted to the modern age... If there are, they're probably a little weird. <laughs> I think, okay. okay. The only thing I probably disagree in that whole statement is that they would only be a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else sounds perfectly reasonable. The argument over if there are real ninjas around is often a geek argument where countless antiquated methods can be brought up as something that a real quote-unquote ninja would have to do in order to be authentic because that's how it was done centuries ago. Mm-hmm. The truth is that these arts are often referred to as living arts for the very reason that they evolve and change form with the times while maintaining lineage through principles that don't change. The the, the principles of a ninja still exist. Ninjutsu can accurately refer to the espionage slash warfare techniques themselves, or it can more in pop culture refer to the whole idea of the lifestyle and philosophy of a ninja, quote-unquote, which are based mostly on just a few famous groups. Mm -hmm. It is not uncommon for someone to base their opinion of the entirety of ninjutsu off of a single source that's really only relevant to that particular group from which the source came. Okay. Historically, ninjutsu was used both by enclaves of people that lived the life, so to speak, as well as by those who used it more as needed. The line between what is ninjutsu and what is other more normal warfare tactics gets very blurry 
at what point is someone called a ninja versus a person that's just using ninjutsu, right? Okay. Yeah, is is like a stealthy spec op operative a ninja because he's wearing black and sneaks around and kills people silently and then gets out of there. Exactly. exactly. Right. Yeah. Or is he a green beret? Ninjutsu is an espionage art. Obviously, we do have spies today, but when most people ask about ninjas, they want to know about lineages of people learning the same arts as were taught centuries ago. The vast majority of people who are learning those traditions, both as they were used centuries ago and well as the principles and how they apply to modern day, most of those people are not today involved in espionage as their line of work. Mm -hmm. And if they were, the old techniques and modern day techniques would be different by necessity. Right. Right. Yeah, they would clash. The principles are what's the important. So it's kind of like like saying a code of conduct. Are there farmers anymore? Yeah. And saying farmer means that you go out and have your ox pull a hunk of wood through stony ground and then you drop seeds out of your sack. And you're like, well, no, there's nobody like that anymore. Yeah. But there are people who grow food. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and they're called Monsanto. And they, (laughs) you know, (laughs) they they grow tomatoes the size of dump trucks and uh, feed the world. The modern day ninja are now Blackwater and they just do everything out in the open because nobody can stop them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, right? Is that like, you know, in this age... Being a mercenary is not, aside from like, you know, PMCs, isn't really a thing that anybody can do Mm -hmm. versus like 500 years ago. It's like, oh, yeah, us people in this village can just hire ourselves out because the the socio-political landscape supports that. (laughs) Yeah, because there's no police department. Yeah. So (laughs) we better pay somebody to be that for a while. You know, but in fairness of like ancient feudal ninjas, they didn't have like social media experts, right? Mm -hmm. That wasn't Mm -hmm. a job yet, right? So, you know. Didn't have PR. Yeah. Uh, So my next question to my ninja friend is, what did you do personally for ninjutsu training? And once you achieve ninja status, how and what do you practice? Okay. The answer, there's really no official ninja debutante ball or anything like that for you to signify that you'd be... I'm a ninja. Uh, now I have an idea for a film short. <laughs> did she did she say this sarcastically or did she say this kind of uh, you know it was, all, it was all writing, so uh, oh. your uh, your guess is as good as mine. Sounded like it could have a twang of sarcasm in it. There's nothing that signifies one has or hasn't achieved ninja status. I don't ever really call myself a ninja because mm-hmm. that to some degree defeats the purpose of my training. Right. Uh, You don't announce yourself, though for sure I have some friends who like to tell people that I'm a ninja, which is exactly how I got in contact with this person. Ah, yes, of course. Which means she's not a very good ninja. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's training in stealth and camouflage, how to move, especially at night, and use the environment to mask your movements, how to erase signs of your passage, how to build stashes and hidey holes along the way that you can use. This sort of thing is practiced in all terrains, from woods at night to cities in the day to bodies of water. You can't really blend in if you don't understand how things work naturally. Natural, in this sense, doesn't mean untouched by man. It means the state of things as if you, the ninja, were not there. Ah, okay. Right? Right. It's natural state, quote-unquote. Yeah, you have to be able to blend with different groups of people in the city so your passage goes unnoticed. Different ways of talking, of dressing, of body habits, essentially to be a chameleon. Okay. Knowing how to use your environment is a big thing. Knowing what grows, what can be eaten, what's a poison, what's a medicine. Of course, there's training in subterfuge and deception, how to get close to people and get information out of them, and or to seed disinformation. This is like the feudal Japanese version of SEAL Team 6. Mm-hmm. Right, pretty much. Information gathering in general is one of the big skills to develop along with strategy and tactics. A lot of this is taught via simple principles that you then have to go and practice more or less on your own. Training in subterfuge with a friend only gets you so far. Yeah, no <laughs> Can you see it me also now? It makes you seem like a huge asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Can you see me now? Can you see me now? Can you see me now? It may sound silly, but I did a lot of my early training in subterfuge and deception and strategy via live-action role-playing games. Oh, LARPer. Yep. yep. 
LARPer yeah, that's ins- turned that ninja. does sound silly. It yeah. is a great forum. <laughs> it is a great forum to practice lying, leading, seeding, etc. against all sorts of people. But in the end, you weren't playing with real people's lives as you cut your teeth on the skills. Oh, okay. So for the social stuff. Okay, I get that then. Yeah. Sure. So are you guys ready for a pop quiz? Yes. Oh, yeah. Pop this quiz. Number one, did ninja wear black outfits? Kevin. If Hollywood has taught me anything, the answer is sometimes. Because I watched a movie last night that had ninjas in white outfits. <laughs> Joe. Uh, yeah, I would say not. Like, I don't think it's a, it's a necessary condition of being a ninja. The, the, yeah, the, they would probably wear whatever they needed to wear. Now, I don't mean all the time. Oh, like ever? <laughs> well, yeah, of course they wore black sometimes. <laughs> what kind of question is this? Let's say when they're on a mission. How about when they're feeling particularly goth? No, no, I mean, even on a mission, that it, like if they were in Woodlands, they probably, I'm guessing, would, would not wear black. They would wear something else. They'd wear fig leaves. Yeah, or no. go naked. Mm-hmm. Nels, what's your take on this? That, like Joe's saying, there may have been some time maybe when it was a thing to do, but in general, it's uh, it's something that falls more out of, uh, well, I'll, I'll let you get to the answer. And it's a cliche. I throw in my own okay. take. Ninja wore outfits that let them be as unobtrusive as possible. Most dressed like farmers, both because it worked well as camouflage in a nation of farmers. Uh, Yeah, I would say so. And because in the early days of ninjutsu, most of them really were farmers. Mm -hmm. According to Matt Alt of Ninja Attack, black dye did not exist in feudal Japan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you may have been able to get like a deep, deep blue. Yeah, exactly. Like a black, black. Yeah, the um, kind of the... In in nighttime, it would look black. Like sort of the, the, you know, the quintessential trope-ish ninja costume... Most people think actually falls out of uh, Bunraku Puppet Theater, where like the performers who were actually doing the puppets were all dressed up entirely in black to be concealed. Oh, right. um, and I think there's also in um, Kabuki it has kind of the same thing where someone is meant to be like unseen but like doing a stage something hand. Kind yeah. of, I think it's but also the performers as well would have that they'd be like dressed in black and it was meant to symbolize like they had some effect but they weren't around or whatever. Oh, and yeah, then, you'll see those puppet shows now where the performers are all in black against a black background, but the puppet is not. And you'll kind of see them there, yeah, but you but, understand that this is supposed to be ignore them. Look yeah. at the puppet. But Anthony Cummins of the historical ninjutsu research team said many of the ninja old ninja scrolls indicated that black was to be worn on moonless nights. So again, conflicting information. Or a black substitute. Or, something that would appear black in the darkest of night. Maybe black was different back then. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe by black they meant the color we've got that's closest to black, right. which is a really dark blue. All right, Joe, did ninja wear masks? Oh, probably not, actually, unless they were doing the actual nighttime sneaking into somewhere because they wanted to be thought of as farmers, like you said. So they would just generally be walking around uh, unseen in the general populace. That's my guess. Kevin, agree or disagree? I disagree. If there was some assassinating to do, you wouldn't want anybody to know who it was so that you could, uh, you wouldn't have to, you know, uh, your family wouldn't be in danger or whatnot. It's like the Spider-Man. It's the Spider-Man. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, uh, thing. But see, when you're as good as a ninja, there's nobody around <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> to you. That's if you're a perfect ninja. Yeah. What's well, the only type of ninja? Uh, yeah, also, same thing, not, not really. Like, if maybe you were actually trying to not be seen because you were sneaking into a place or something, but in general, no. Yes, but a lot of Japanese people in the area did, including husbands going into brothels who did not want to be recognized. Oh, I totally called the you So know, it was kind of like hiding in plain sight. So, so yes, you mean they didn't? No, they, they did or, wear yes, masks. they did they wear masks. They did wear masks. But wearing masks was a regular yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it, wasn't, common. it wasn't like, oh, that guy must be a ninja. It's just, oh, that guy doesn't. That guy must be going to, to a brothel uh, or, have a, or some have other. sex with a hooker, yeah. <laughs> and gonna... I totally got the motive for it, too. I think I scored. Wow. I think I'm, I think I'm up one. Were ninja just dishonorable samurai? No, that's Ronin. Mm, 
wrong on both counts, yeah. I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, samurai without, without a master. But, the, but that's not dishonored. You can still be an honorable samurai and not without have a, master. a master. Yeah. So you're not exactly right there. In pre-Edo period, samurai would use whatever tactics they could to win and survive. Spying, assassination, etc. were just part of the game. The two most famous ninja in history, quote-unquote, Hattori Hanzo and Yagyu Jubai were both samurai and highly regarded as honorable men. Uh, obviously, even even in, in pre-Edo Japan, like there still was a pretty serious honor culture mm-hmm. with with regard to like militarism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of the like what we think as ninja were were people who were not like because being a samurai wasn't just like oh you're a person with a sword. It was like right. an actual social class that exactly. you were born or you know granted granted rights to belong to by some lord, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So generally, people who weren't in that class couldn't be like actual like big honorable battlefield type warriors they'd be like right you know mook foot soldiers or whatever and so it's like oh yeah they're gonna go do some terrible stuff that's just we don't want to dirty our hands with yeah that. they can do that yeah we yeah. don't want to know about it it's got to get done but you know mm-hmm. you don't want to necessarily sully the hands of the the higher classes but at the same time d- especially during like the period where ninja were actually most active it's like this we'll probably get into it in the history mm-hmm. bit. it was like this big long civil war and during that it's like everyone did terrible stuff to everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, Joe, what was the ideal weight of a ninja? The ideal weight? Yeah. Of a, the, what, I, uh, okay. In kilos or pounds? Uh, <laughs> I have figures for both. Oh, you can't be prepared. Uh, so 130 pounds or so? Like, you, know, you want them to be small and lightweight so they can climb things and get around, and they, you don't want a fat ninja. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we're talking about an era in feudal Japan, right? Yeah. We're talking like 500 years ago yeah. when everybody on earth was like naturally smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And then you wanted a guy who was kind of slight or small in the, like to, to the general populace. Right. Yeah. So I so, say 130, so probably 100. Yeah. This is, I'm going like 105. Yeah, yeah. Double digits, high double digits. 132 pounds oh, or 60 kilograms. According to the book Ninja Attack, Ninja watched their weight carefully as one might expect for people who spent inordinate times, inordinate amounts of time hanging from rafters crouched beneath floorboards the ideal weight was said to be no greater than a full sack of rice which is a pretty fucking heavy sack of rice yeah, no as far kidding. as i'm concerned yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was so that was the max 132 okay. uh, pounds or 60 kilograms so uh, the max okay. yeah so yeah. Okay. i said 135 and then yeah. went down to 100 yeah, so that's about 130 the right i think all right kevin how do ninja mask their scent Ooh, how do they mask their scent well, you don't want to like cover yourself in something that smells stronger than you, <laughs> because then you will just stink, right? So, how do you like you take you take your your human must down a notch? Ooh, you rub yourself in hay because there was lots of like thatched roofs and whatnot. I think he's close. I think you rubbed yourself in whatever was around you, and you would probably do it for quite some time. Like lay in the dirt if you were going to be hiding out in the dirt, or if you're in the forest, you would like roll around in the the loam and junk on the forest. Yeah, that that sounds reasonable, and maybe also bathe a lot. Ah, well. Body odor was a significant issue for ninja, as a strong scent could lead to one's hiding place. Mm -hmm. They avoided highly aromatic foods such as garlic, chives, onions, beans, and meat. All the good stuff. There's nothing worse than a farting ninja. (laughs) That's it. I don't want to be a ninja anymore. (laughs) And bathed fastidiously whenever possible. Oh, Nels. Okay, so Joe and I both fail. Joe, what is a ninja pill? What's a ninja pill? Is it a pill that makes you a ninja? Because that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, Pfizer, get on that one. Wow. You're going to make a trillion dollars with a ninja pill. Well, really, what is a ninja pill? Uh, P-I-L-L? Yeah, or a ninja tablet. <laughs> is it a poison tablet they would drop into beverage to kill people? Is it a smoke pellet? I would guess it's some kind of food or other thing you could eat while 
in a field. Ninja kept special tablets, small balls of food, oh. Oh, on their persons to keep energy up while on a long stakeout or mission, hiding in castles for days at a time, and okay. so forth. These hunger pills... Power could, bars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> could include honey, grains, carrots, tea leaves, and ginseng. They Some, are, seriously, these are feudal yeah. Japan, Japanese power bars. Some, yeah, it totally is. <laughs> sometimes including fish blood and sometimes soaked in sake for extended periods. Ooh, sake. That's yeah. a, so it kind of is a pill you take that turns you into ninja. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives you the power to, yeah. There is even a recipe for thirst pills consisting of pickled plums. Intended oh. to help a ninja stave off dehydration. Right, because they're just full of liquid, right? Joe, here is a science question. Okay. What is Shit. the nasal cycle, and what does it have to do with ninja? What is the nasal cycle? Yes. Wow. The nasal cycle is how a person's sense of smell changes over time, and they use that in order to stay unsmelled because of their incredible knowledge with it. I'm going to go with a method of locomotion powered by your breathing through your nose. So your hands are free to throw throwing stars so like, and run people through you just with like Dana. Jets like a hovercraft through your face. Yeah. To bicycle your power with your exhaust from yes, your nose. Okay. Exactly. Huh? I have no goddamn idea. But if I had to guess, <laughs> I'd do something about like regulating your breathing to reduce your metabolism. Close ish. <laughs> the human nose has a bit of a built-in redundancy. Although you could survive perfectly well with a single nostril, your nose holds two parallel breathing passages that are divided by a thin wall of cartilage called the septum, as mm-hmm. we all know. Yeah, as we all know. These passages meet at the back of your throat where they take a single tunnel down to your lungs. Your two nostrils shift their workload back and forth in a delicate dance called the nasal cycle. Mm-hmm. At any moment, most of the air you inhale travels through just one nostril with a much smaller amount seeps in through the other. At some point, the nasal cycle reverses course and the workload shifts to the other nostril. The length of time between these uh, nostril sh- switching varies depending on the individual and, of course, various other factors. But each cycle usually lasts from between 40 minutes to several hours. What? Until recently, scientists had no idea why the nasal cycle took place. Recent research indicates that nostril switching improves your sense of smell. Now, what does this have to do with ninja? Uh, yes. Ninja used to use this to tell time, uh, according to Anthony Cummins from the historical ninjutsu. Oh, so like team. how long they've been in the rafters? Because you can't. So oh. close. I was so close. Wow. So that's, like a, I am that's a pretty cool who, trick if that actually works. Who else is breathing through their nose now to find out which <laughs> one is working? Because I that's all I did while Tom was talking. So I was, this is also the same reason why sometimes when you have uh, when you're having a heavy cold, you can suffer from periods of bad breathing and then easy breathing and then oh, bad because one oh, nose is clogged whoa. up. Yeah. And your body doesn't adjust for that. It doesn't go, oh, I'm sick. I need to like lay the workload yeah, on the one good nostril. Stop using this clogged up one. Probably yeah. busy doing other things. Yeah. yeah. Autonomic responses. Screw you. Wow. This I mean, is one of the best things I've learned while doing this show that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Like, had someone me- had someone mentioned that you switched like breathing side, uh, that would have made sense, but I never would have guessed it was on the order of like 40 minutes to an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, you'd imagine a couple through one, and then it switched yeah. to another. And, yeah. yeah. You, one would wow. think if you were like a trained ninja, you would just sit there for hours figuring what your nasal cycle was, doing nothing else. Yeah. And then, okay, now I'm ready. Now I know how to do this. We should make an app for that. (laughs) So people can just breathe on their phone and it'll be like, oh, you switched. (laughs) Just put your... Put your phone in your nose. <laughs> Hold it there. Go for go about the rest of your day. Between 40 minutes and two hours. <laughs> All right, Kevin, what's the difference between a, a katana and a ninja toe? Well, a ninja toe is shorter and uh, the katana is a curved blade. 
and uh, katanas were used by samurai, and ninja toe were used by ninjas. I, I was right there until the last part. <laughs> it, basically, as as far as I'm aware, the ninja toe is like an apocryphal, much later creation that like this is not a thing that actually really existed in history. That is also true. Yeah, uh, but what he said about the apocryphal one is true. What you described is real. It was just not a thing that was actually used by ninjas or really anyone until like I think they just got made in like the uh, 20th century. Or something yeah, like I that. think what happened right. was just artists kept drawing short, straight katana. Yeah. And so people were like, oh, well, that's what ninja used. So they just started making real ones. As an, right. as an artist myself who has had to draw many samurai blades, yeah. it is definitely easier to get out the ruler and draw straight ones <laughs> than to draw two lines right next to each other right. that are exactly the same. <laughs> uh, last question. Were there any female ninja, Joe? Oh, yeah. Of course there were, yes. So, uh, again, I mean, all this stuff is kind of like through the mists of history. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there is some evidence for female people who did do... It was far more like the spying stuff versus like the go out on the battlefield and and swing to a castle and set some stuff on fire. Spying because you're like a a servant girl and you can get into somebody's like trash bin and find Mm -hmm. out what's what. (laughs) <laughs> or like you know you're not really they've been eating lots of radishes or, or, or this is important or, or, or that's or, the less glamorous part of the ninja or you're the whole subservient you know just keep your head down on whatever but you can listen in on what everybody's doing also let's face it ninja masters of disguise nobody can actually be sure what their gender is uh, Mochizuki Chiyome was purportedly a noble who at the behest of her daimyo created a squad of female intelligence operatives known as walking maidens Young women who are recently orphaned, prostitutes, or victims of the civil wars of the Sengoku period were uh, all uh, brought into this uh, organization. They crisscrossed the country in the guise of holy women, entertainers, and prostitutes, gathering information, sending messages, and, when necessary, assassinating. There you go. Chiyomi and her kunoichi, as they're called, had set up an extensive network of over 200 agents that served the Takeda clan and her daimyo. Uh, so that uh, her daimyo was always informed of activities. Right. Especially like especially that a bunch of them are prostitutes, right? Who knows all your secrets more than your prostitute? Totally. Yeah. You're not oh. watching what you're saying on the pillow. No. No, mm-hmm. mine totally. Well, I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got a couple I got a couple questions oh, for okay. bonus for all questions. Y'all. Bonus okay. questions. So, according to the Shoninki, which was a, a, a manual supposedly about ninja, which was written in like the, the late 1600s. Mm-hmm. Um, there are six essential pieces of equipment that all ninja should carry with them. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to you... say ninja pill. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Six ninja pills. Uh, rope. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's see if everyone can guess at once. So ninja oh. pill, rope. rope. I got to say knife. Grappling hook. Ooh. Uh, uh, smoke pellet. Or do they have smoke bombs or whatever? Yeah. That is a legitimate sure. guess. Okay. How about, <laughs> you know, how about a belt so they can like strap them things to themselves to things? Maybe that uh, falls into the rope category. Did we get? Is that six? I've lost count. Sure. Yeah. Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> um, you got like one and a half. That's oh, not bad. It's wow. not bad. Oh. Um, one of the things was indeed the uh, kaginawa, which is like a grappling hook with a rope. That's oh, not bad. So, there's also a thing called a sanjaku. Tenugui, which was apparently like a three foot long piece of cloth that you could just use for all manner of things. It could right. be it could be a sling, it could be a belt, it could like tie up a wound. Oh, you yeah, could okay. use it to like right. boost somebody else up. Oh, um, I was I was kind of teasing that one. Yeah, it's I sort a, of like it's on the close, verge that's of that close. One. So that's yeah. two. Uh, the third one was the Amigasa, which was a big, deep, wide straw hat. Because oh, yeah. Because if you needed to disguise yourself, you just pull down your hat. Oh, yeah. yeah, just, just like, like Samurai you, Jack does. Look yeah. like totally. a, yet another peasant walking mm-hmm. around. Yeah. Kusuri, which was apparently field medicine. Uchitake, which was a fire-starting implement 
because especially as you dig through like the history, way more than actually kill people. You just Nin- burn their ninja houses, started man. a shitload of fires. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> because everything was wood, right? So it's yep. like, you know, a fire would cause way more havoc than anything else yeah. you could possibly do. And yep. burning it is easy, and then they have to spend all the time to rebuild it. Yeah. yeah. And the final thing, Sekihitsu, which was a pencil. A stone pencil. Because, I mean, you think of it. For stabbing people. (laughs) Because, like, primarily, you know. I'm going to draw on the inside of your neck. (laughs) (laughs) With your own blood. No, because if you're, like, spying and, like, what do you need to do? Like, draw maps and take notes and stuff, right? Lots of multiple choice questionnaires. Also that. Yeah. Good ninja always carries a pencil. Okay. Okay. Maybe they were just avid golfers. Uh, or they were taking trips to Ikea. And... Yeah. Wrong, wrong hemisphere. Yeah. These days okay. they would take a smartphone, though. Yeah. Because yeah. it handles almost everything there. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the tourniquet. <laughs> um, okay, one more oh, bonus, bonus question. question. Got it. Um, uh, again, according to the Shonin Key, there are seven disguises that all ninjas should be able to master and oh. okay. utilize. Monk. Well, we already heard farmer. We already uh, heard farmer. farmer. I'm going monk. I like monk. monk. Yeah. Uh, I'm going entertainer. Let's go with the lady, like, special lady of the night. You know? <laughs> huh? Sure. Uh, Sounds good. We'll, yeah, okay. we'll put that is, on there. Right. Is laborer one of them? Like uh, just general surf worker? Although that's mostly farmer, like a isn't peasant, it? I guess. Or... Yeah. Well, peasant, farmer, yeah. Uh, I guess it was probably like against the law to impersonate a samurai, though, right? Oh, tree. Tree. <laughs> <laughs> Bush. Tree. Bush. Yeah. Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so they broke this down very specifically. So there are actually three different types of monks because uh, in okay. in traditional Japan there are there are many 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 of many course. many. Yeah. Um, but the three they mentioned specifically in the shonen ki is a uh, komuso, which are like if you've ever seen them depict, they wear like these baskets over their heads and play uh, a flute. Yeah, it's okay. kind of like okay. a wandering. Mo- Not only does the basket conceal you, but they generally were wanderers and beggars, so they could just be anywhere and it wouldn't be weird. Yeah, right. right. Um, similarly, there's a yamabushi, which are these like. A solitary hermetic Buddhist monks who okay. also wandered around and stuff. So, I mean, it's all in this general thought of you can be anywhere and it won't seem weird. There were a lot of wanderers in Japanese culture, it's, weren't there? I think that like that kind of falls out of the the Buddhist tradition a bit. Yeah, maybe um, it's because it's like it's not that big an island, so you know, just like you know, it's pretty things not going out. Big. Just walk about. <laughs> yeah, in the grand um, scheme, yeah. wouldn't want to paint it. That, yep. <laughs> Uh-huh. The, uh, there's another type of monk called the the shuke, which is a again another type of yeah you know wandering wandering monk. beggar yeah. monk. Uh-huh. Beyond that, there was uh, merchants, which of course makes sense, and it gives you a reason to talk to people right mm-hmm. very yeah. very frequently and not seem weird about it. Right? Of course, mm-hmm. I should have got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Two types of entertainers, so well done. Okay. Yeah. And then the final thing was just kind of a broad catch-all tune no uh, katachi, which just means street clothes. So an appropriate garb for the, the poor bloody peasants of whatever place you're in. So there that includes go. like laborers Which and farmers, farmers and, and all that kind of Which yeah. modern day we are all wearing. Yes. <laughs> t-shirt oh, and no. jeans. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 16th, 16th century Japan t-shirt and jeans. Yes. Oh, my papa.
Well, I just have some other historical tidbits here. All right. So there was the Sengoku period. This is 1478 to 1605. This is the Warring States period. This is the Civil War that we talked about earlier. Period more or yeah. less. Yeah. Time of social upheaval, political political intrigue, and nearly constant military conflict. Okay. Then there's the Edo period. After that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, when Japanese society was under the rule of the Tokugawa shogunate. And the country's 300 regional daimyo. So basically, so they the, were kind of congl- the they were time under peace. one, yeah, under yeah. one umbrella. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind for this entire episode because they're ninjas doing different things yeah. in different these eras. Times. And yeah, I think basically all the historical evidence suggested that after the Sengoku period, ninja didn't really exist. Hmm. They may have, but it's not like not in the historical record. Versus previously, there's totally stuff about like these guys from Koga snuck, snuck into a castle and burned it down. Right. Mm-hmm. Alternately, that's when they perfected the art of this ah. and became oh, truly invisible, even amongst the history. The most ancient ninjas may have been Yamabushi mountain priests who adapted the Sanshi, a Chinese martial arts manual, to their own purposes. There are references to ninja-like shinobi in the Asuka period who were often used to infiltrate enemy territory and described as experts in the field of information gathering and masters of stealth and disguise. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Hired by warlords as secret agents, ninja were widely used in the Sengoku period when Japan was engulfed in civil war. Right, because you had a lot of enemies all around. You want to know what they were up to yeah. because they were probably going to try and shank you any minute. So it was sort of like necessity. Ninja were trained from an early age to walk and move quietly. They communicated with secret codes and used aliases instead of their real names. Right. When ninja traveled... Stuff like Dick Tracy and, you know, uh, uh, Bond, James Bond. Uh, John Grasspath. Yeah. Whatever was around them. Yeah. That's right. Ninja were skilled at scaling castle walls and using well tunnels to pop up in unlikely places. Ooh, well tunnels. As we said, arson was a part of the ninja skill set. They would set fires to the castles that their warlord employers attacked. In 1558... There was, a, there was a ninja named Tateoka Doshun who led a group of other ninjas, about 50 people, using the, uh, the Bakemona Jutsu, which means, <laughs> it, it, it sounds awesome. It basically means ghost technique. Uh, okay. What it actually is, is making a fake lantern that has the same crest as 
your enemy in the castle. So it's way less dramatic than it sounds. Right. But you basically make a bunch of fake lanterns, dress up like samurai, and you guys, oh, we're with you guys. And as soon as you're in the castle, you just set the entire place on fire. Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> right. Well, they set on fire a place called Sawayama Castle. And then as soon as the castle's on fire, the daimyo they were working for just attacked because the people inside couldn't really defend it because, oh, God, it's all the fire, fire burning. Yeah. Try to fire defend out. yourself from an attack while everything around you is on fire. Yeah, that puts you at a disadvantage. So that's kind of like kind the of lantern version of the Trojan horse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. not that far off. Ninja training included instruction in esoteric Buddhism, Chinese yin and yang philosophy, mountain asceticism, herbal medicine, psychology, astronomy, magic, pharmacology, and fortune telling. So they could find their way in every facet of society. Ninja did a lot of physical training. They lifted 60 kilogram rice bags with one hand for strength. What? Sprinted at great speeds, backwards and sideways. <laughs> and trained hard to develop skills in climbing, jumping, swimming, moving through difficult terrain. Finger strengthening exercises were done so they could hang from trees and walls for hours. Mm. Some accounts specify body hardening. Oh, that happens to me every Saturday night. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where the ninja would be beaten all <laughs> over. Once a week? <laughs> no, it's not the only time it happens, oh, okay. but it happens Every Saturday night. <laughs> Where the ninja would be beaten all over their body to toughen their skin. Does that work? I don't know. No, that happens every night. <laughs> You'd build up a callus I eventually. Guess you, I think. A full yeah. body callus? Yeah. Yeah. Attractive. Be an easy Ugh. way to find the ninja. So, so what you're saying, <laughs> Torrin, is, looks like a giant callus. <laughs> is I regularly train to be a ninja, but only in my groin area. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, everywhere except my, the ins- my penis is a ninja. <laughs> everywhere except TM the- that that's on a T-shirt. My penis is a ninja because you, you can't, can't see it. it. <laughs> You'll n- never see it coming. It's is a silent killer. Yeah. Everywhere except the inside of hands, which need to be extra sensitive. Mm. <laughs> so lots of moisturizer for your yeah. palms, your yeah. hands. Again, Lo- still training. To- gloves. Still training to be a ninja. During the relative peace of the Edo period, ninja found themselves out of work. To survive, they began producing manuscripts explaining their skills, weapons, and tools. They became the subjects of stories and nobles, and this elevated them to the status of magical superheroes. Yes, sir. Yep. So the most famous kind of areas of ninjadom, if, the, if I may use that word. Okay. The, the ninja dome? I would totally the go there. The ninja dome? I would, I would buy tickets for that place. The only problem is you, you don't know where it is. is. And yeah. you also don't leave. No, no. You go in, and you're like, okay, what's happening? I don't see Where is it. Where's, what's going I, on? How do I, I get out of here? I thought something then, was happening here. Somebody said, it's like, is it over? Did it happen? Kevin, I, you could be in the Ninja Dome right now. You wouldn't even know it. The Iga province was a small mountain-ringed basin in the center of Japan. Iga was divided into rural regions locked in guerrilla war for which Iga warriors developed specialized skills and tactics. The Koga Ryu school began in the similar way. So Koga is another province, basically, right, right okay. next to Iga. Mm-hmm. In 1340, the people of Iga became independent of their feudal overlords and established a kind of republic. Okay. 1487, when the shogun, Ashikaga Yoshihisa, attacked the daimyo from the Rokaku samurai clan, both Iga and Koka ninja fought on the side of Rokaku, helping to successfully repel the shogun's attack. And this entire... All the stuff I'm going to talk about is dramatized in the fairly excellent show Ninja Shadow Warriors, which okay. was on the Smithsonian Channel. Oh, oh. It's, it's like one of those oh. historical kind of shows? Yep. Oh, that nice. sounds awesome. In 1579, the son of warlord Oda Nobunaga, he initiated the unification of Japan under the shogunate, launched an unsuccessful attack against the Iga Republic, much... <laughs> I wrote down, much crazy ninja shit happened. (laughs) (laughs) And you can quote me on that. In 1581, Oda Nobunaga himself attacked Iga from six directions with a force of 40 to 60,000 men. 
uh, about a 10 to 1 advantage and slaughter many Iga ninjas and their families. The Iga held only two castles when Nobunaga declared a ceasefire and allowed some of the ninja to escape. So the interesting thing about um, Iga is that it's like it's the province at the time was literally adjacent to Kyoto, which was, of course, the capital of Japan. Right. Um, so it was politically interesting, but also kind of complicated having a bunch of potentially seditious people right there. Mm-hmm. And then you add on top of that that there had been multiple assassination attempts on Oda Nobunaga's life by ninja from this period. There was one, uh, one ninja in particular, Sugitani Zenjubo who, when Nobunaga was on campaign against men, one of his many, many enemies, the Azai clan, I think, um, he was riding back through the forest, and uh, Sugitani was up in a tree with an arquebus. And, and yeah, you think, traditional yeah, ninja weapon. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing, is that, like, during this period, not only was there a ton of use of firearms, but, like, they just used whatever would work, right? Yeah. No, a ninja used what's effective. Yeah, totally. You know? So he was up in the tree with this, with this arquebus. He actually loaded two bullets into the barrel because you could do that when, you know, just had like an old powder and ball thing to yeah. be really sure he would get Nobunaga. Mm-hmm. Right. And he took aim, fired, but it, the, the bullet struck his armored collar. Okay. So it knocked him off his horse, but it didn't kill him. Right. And he kind of bore a grudge. And so <laughs> uh-huh. he, sp- he sent people specifically to find this guy and it took them four years to find him. But they finally did. And they brought him to wherever Nobunaga was. They buried him up to his neck in the earth. Right. And then slowly sawed through his neck <laughs> with a variety of blunt objects oh. while Nobunaga watched. <laughs> wow, that Why guy. Why spoon? Is... Because it'll hurt more. Yeah, basically that. Um, <laughs> that guy knows how to hold a grudge, oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then in 1582, during the turmoil following Oda Nobunaga's death, Hattori Hanzo advised Tokugawa Ayayesu to escape to a nearby province through the Koga and Iga regions. Ayayesu, when he became the shogun, employed ninja to guard Edo Castle, the headquarters of the shogunate, and to supply intelligence. For about 100 years, he retained 200 men from the Iga Ryu around what would become Tokyo. In the, uh, in the main castle in Tokyo, which used to be Edo, mm-hmm. there's a gate called Hanzoman because mm-hmm. it's the old gate that Hattori Hanzo's men supposedly guarded and protected and all that. And there's a, there's a subway line that runs in Tokyo, which is also called Hanzoman, which is apparently where Hattori Hanzo's house used to be. And so they, they named the subway line that goes out toward that way after, after him. Well, let's talk about yeah. Hattori Hanzo then. I do love alliteration. Mm-hmm. And there is alliteration this man. Oh, well, name. I got bad news for you, a.k.a. Hattori Masanari. Oh, boo. <laughs> Burn. So Hanzo was his ninja name? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why he has two names. Very often in this period, and in Japanese history, I think until about the modern era, like very often people's names would be changed like later in life or when they were adopted or just because they wanted to be more awesome. Right. right. Like, yeah. like literally, so it's like for better glory, I will change my name. So maybe Hattori Hanzo and I share our love of alliteration. Mm, maybe he was Hattori Masanari and said, I got to go with the old HH. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to be Kevin Keeson now? Or Levin Leeson? No, I think this just <laughs> speaks, Levin. speaks more to the fact that I am a ninja in waiting. I'm simply a frustrated ninja. Except every Saturday night. Yeah, so he was a famous samurai and an alleged ninja master of the Sengoku area, accredited with saving the life of Tokugawa Ieyasu and then helping him to become the ruler of United Japan. Having the son of a minor samurai in the service of the Matsudaira Matsudaira clan. Matsudaira. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) Hattori fought his first battle at the age of 16, a nighttime attack on Udo Castle. Okay. And went on to lay siege at Kakagawa Castle in 1569. 
The actor Sonny Chiba played his role on the series Hattoro Hanzo Kage no Gundan, Shadow Warriors, where he and his descendants are the main characters. And of course, Sonny mm-hmm. Chiba returned to play the character in Kill Bill. There's, um, there's also a manga series called Path of the Assassin, which is all about Hattori Hanzo, ha- Hattori Hanzo and um, Tokugawa Ieyasu. I've only read like the first two trades. It's from like 1972. So some of the social politics and the depiction of women is a little bit. But if you can get past that, it's actually pretty good. Right. Yeah. Okay. It, it's like very, very, very thoroughly researched. Yeah. Yes. Well, that sounds like fun. Well, who wants to talk about ninja weapons and technology? I do. I do. ha. <laughs> Well, we already mentioned some of them in the six things that a ninja must always have. I don't think any of those actually included weapons. I did. Oh, well, you did the knife. No? No, oh, that's, that's no, not that's something that I made it up. Was, it was totally. the... All right, the seven things the that a ninja must have. It was the pencil that you oh, could stab right. somebody in the neck with. Among the weapons used by ninjas were disguised knives and swords, metal claws. Mm-hmm. My ninja friend specified swords, knives, staff, spears, weighted chains, and of course, hidden and improvised weaponry you must uh-huh. be a master of. A callback to our improvised weapons episode. Perhaps some less known items are arrow mounted rockets. Huh? huh? All right. Arrow mounted I guess, you know, rockets. you didn't have the technology to launch the rockets under their own power. So you had to do... Put gunpowder on an yeah. arrow and then light it and shoot and it. Dukes of Hazard style. That's, <laughs> is that a weapon or is that just a signaling device? Uh, could, could be, be both. Could be both. I guess, yeah, okay. I'm TMing the spinoff TV series Ninjas of Hazard, yeah. which is inevitably <laughs> coming down the pipe. You beat me by like two seconds. Bo yeah. Duke is a ninja? <laughs> yeah. You would change it to like Do Duke. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, you know oh. the hands although you could Bo also works because Bo means staff oh mm-hmm. so Bo Book <laughs> Bo Buke something else oh. entirely nope not that, that does one. not sound right at Bo all Bo Bukake yeah uh, <laughs> smoke pots rifles and portable cannons some constructed to pass as vases oh yep. that so shot gravel like, and iron chips you just like tuck it under your arm and yeah. shoot yeah. it like I'm a, a vase mortar. merchant also apparently included some explosive I, it was also mentioned in the Shonen Key but there were both like soft sided soft case and hard case explosives and mm-hmm. some of the soft case explosives aside from including like this was all basically pulled over from China right yeah had a bunch of gunpowder but in addition to that it would have iron fragments yep. broken pottery or dried human feces so mm. these were, yeah, to get in your wounds yeah. and infect it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these are like the anti-personnel mines of the back in the day, right? Basically that. Now there are, of course, the shuriken, mm-hmm. throwing knives and throwing stars. How'd you pronounce it? Shuriken. Is that probably, is that how it's supposed to be pronounced? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Japanese words typically don't have an emphasis on their syllables, so we go shuriken, so we put that emphasis on the shur. Because when, when Torn said it, it just kind of sounded like shuriken. Uh, are you going to stab that guy in the eye with that thing? Shuriken. Shuriken. <laughs> Totally stole my intro. I pre-wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Scooped. Often uh, tipped with poison, and there are like multiple kinds of shuriken. These may have been originally tools used by carpenters to remove nails. That's why they have the hole in the center. Oh. Oh. Okay. So it if probably... you were caught with shuriken, you say, hey, man, I'm a carpenter. Yeah, but the ones that carpenters used probably weren't nearly so pointy on the ends, because you could probably slice and dice your hand up pretty there good. There was probably an evolution of yeah. from not as pointy to the to, more pointy kind. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how crappy it must be to just be a carpenter or something and constantly have people worrying that you're a ninja? (laughs) You're just like, no, I don't. uh, You don't have the skills to defend yourself when they accuse you. You're just like, no, go ahead. Beat me, please. Oh, yeah. It turns into a droopy dog. I 
I'm not a ninja. <laughs> totally. He just wears a shirt, not a ninja. Oh, you're fine. But then, of course, the ninjas all start wearing it. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah, or he wears the shirt, not a ninja, but he's actually a carpenter, so he's always like wiping his hands on his shirt or something, and it kind of so obscures. Dirty. And just gets says some, ninja. Like, axle grease on there. And all I can read on your shirt is ninja. ninja. Yeah. Get him. Get him. Get him. <laughs> it's like, he's the worst ninja ever. He deserves to die. Smoke was used in a number of ways by ninjas as a signal to the start of battle or operation, as a diversion for disappearances and escapes. Ninja also mixed smoke with poisons to make breathing difficult for their opponents. Ooh, so like uh, early onset, you know, mustard gas here. White lead Basically. and arsenic wrapped in cloth with gunpowder. White lead and arsenic yeah. wrapped in cloth with gunpowder. Mm-hmm. So it's a poison bomb. Yeah, that's poison bomb. That yeah, ninja cool. aren't exactly about fighting fair. No, because <laughs> they'd probably get trounced, right? I mean, the part of it is like, yeah. yeah, these guys were crazy trained from birth, whatever. But like samurai, they were actually like literally trained from birth. Like that was yeah. their job, right? They were knights, basically. So yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah. you're not going to go toe to toe with that dude because he's probably way better equipped and way better trained than you are. Yeah. But you could sneak into his house and like poison him in the night. They probably had like ninja masters hanging out at like elementary schools looking for that kid who didn't care and would like kick you in the balls if you got in like a fight, right? <laughs> this guy's like, got yeah, what he's it like, takes. I don't play by no rules. And he's like, you're just our kind of kid. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. Remember on that episode of Mythbusters where they tested the foot mount- mounted floats? I know, it totally didn't work. But I'm trying to think of who they got to do it because I'm just wondering if anyone was 60 kilograms or less. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they should have gotten the girl to do it. Uh, so that was apparently something that happened. Grass rakes that could be used to scale walls or kill an opponent, or presumably rake grass. Yeah. Some carried a compass-like magnet that always pointed south when placed on water, and pistols disguised as short swords. Now, mm. my ninja friend <laughs> said that nunchucks had been portrayed as a ninja weapon, but they are much more a weapon of Okinawa and not even mainland Japan. Right. Yeah. They're very well known and popular because of Bruce Lee and his we, in the karate. Band. Yeah, most we, of those we, we talked about this at great length in our blunt, blunt weapons. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think yeah. you guys mentioned there. Most of those like really goofy, like you know, crazy martial arts weapons. It's like it's because after after the Sengoku period was over, the Tokugawa shogunate basically made like anyone having armaments totally illegal. Yeah, because they didn't want more rebellions, right? Yeah. yeah. So then it's like, but these bad people in the woods keep stealing our stuff. Uh, well, we have these weird things on chains for threshing grain. Yeah, that'll work, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that was sort of the philosophy. Yeah. And in general, kinda... it's like. The nunchucks or sword, uh, I'm taking the sword every single time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some typical ninja poisons were from the pufferfish and toad. Oh. Mm-hmm. Before they discovered that it was a delicacy to eat the pufferfish. Yeah. Mushrooms. Cyanide. They pulled out the little poison thing, yeah, exactly. and they were like, what are we going to do the rest of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like eat the, it? The guy who wants it is like, oh, are you a ninja? He's like, I'll I dare take you to it eat off it. your hands. I yeah. dare you eat it. I'll totally eat it. Oh, man, this is good. <laughs> Cyanide and rhubarb leaves. Rhubarb Ooh. leaves? Yeah. I mean, rhubarb, that's a uh, bitter pill to swallow when your mom serves you a slice of rhubarb pie. Without the strawberries in it. Yeah. Man, I like rhubarb. Oh, good Lord. I hope a ninja kills you. (laughs) Rhubarb leaves contain poisonous substances, including oxalic acid, which is a nephrotoxic and corrosive acid that is present in many many plants. There you go. Wow. So the LD50 is 375 milligrams per kilogram of body weight, or about 25 grams for a 65-kilogram human. Wow. So it's quite 25 grams is a decent dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah. good. That's but still, that's you know, amount. if you get a lot and then can put it into a big food and it's cr- just crushed up leaves. Yeah, wow. Well, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you sick. Well, then you're not so useful. I wish anymore. I had this information when I was like 10 years old, and I could have said to my mom, 
Can't have the rhubarb pie, Mom. Sorry. Poison. Poison. Deadly ninja poison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> maybe, just... maybe rhubarb pie was a ninja invention, and we refined it over the years so we could eat it. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> being a horrible, toxic poison. Too, too, bad, too bad we didn't refine it to the degree where it was edible. Oh, That's a shame. Tears. Tears. <laughs> so good. All right. Ninja countermeasures. All right. The anti-ninja. So this is when you meet a ninja at a deli, right? Mm. So it's like counter- they want a foot long? Uh, they want a foot long over the counter? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Buildings were constructed with traps and trip wires attached to alarm bells. Okay. Japanese castles were designed to be difficult to navigate with winding routes leading to the inner compound. Mm-hmm. Blind... This explains all those adventuring puzzle mazes <laughs> yes, that we go exactly. through. Why would anybody build a castle like this? This is ridiculous. Oh, ninja, that's why. Yeah. Blind spots and holes in walls provided constant surveillance of these labyrinthine paths, mm-hmm. as exemplified in Himeji Castle. Okay. If you're going there. Check it out. Nijo Castle in Kyoto is constructed with long nightingale floors, which rested on metal hinges specifically designed to squeak loudly when walked over. Oh. It's pretty that cool. That would be so annoying, though, if you lived there and you, like, designed <laughs> your floors to squeak, right? Yeah. Just I, like, oh, God. Yeah, I was in, um, when I was in Japan, we went to Nijojo because it's, like, right there in the middle of Kyoto. It's gigantic yeah. and gorgeous. And, of course, you, take, you have to take off your shoes when you go inside. Yeah. Those floors are actually pretty loud. You could not even being a sneaky, sneaky even person. Even being even being the sack, the weight of a sack of rice. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> there's no way you're moving around there with someone not noticing. But it's not super annoying. Like it kind of does. Like it's creaky, but it's not like horrible, like rusty nail yeah, chalkboard. You creating. didn't you didn't live there when the like the they, when the when the like the neighborhood cat was in your attic. You're like, there's ninjas. <laughs> uh, there were mats with a weave that makes noise when you walk on it. Uh huh. The grounds were covered with gravel. Also provided early notice of unwanted intruders, and segregated buildings allowed fires to be better contained. So built-in fire, fire blocks. Firewalls, yeah. When you said segregated, I thought you meant by sex. Oh, let the women burn. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more of a snapshot into you, Joe, than the rest of us. Well, things I'm worried about these days, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by one account, there were special long pants that made noise when you walked, and everyone in the castle had to wear them. So if you weren't wearing those pants... Ninja, kill that guy. That's a yeah. Don't forget your pants. Get the short pants. Don't forget your pants on. It's like you're walking along and you're like, wait a minute, my pants aren't making any noise. I gotta go home sick or something. Or a ninja finds out it's one of these households and he like does what I used to do with my bicycle and stick the card in the spokes. Right. And he like puts a couple playing cards on the inside of his knees or something. So you get like a tick 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 tick. When he's running, it would make that sound. Otherwise, exactly. It's like an anti ninja. Yeah. I do this to make things even. <laughs> Give you a fighting chance. I mentioned this because it's more caustic, less than it's an actual proven thing. Oh, sure. Okay. But well, again, during Well, we story, are going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. later on, so <laughs> go ahead. During the Sengoku period, there was a very famous, very successful daimyo named uh, Uesugi Kenshin. One, one night, he went out to the, uh, to the privy. Legend has it, it's uh, again unconfirmed, but that there was a, a ninja lurking in his privy, and mm. then when he sat down for his business, spear... Oh. Oh, and then he died a few days later. Things that are supposed to come out of that hole went into that hole. Spears are supposed to come out? I just that explains things. why things. the plumbing van is always outside <laughs> of your house. Um, I yeah. shit Spears, guys, didn't yeah. you know? <laughs> based, like, based on writing from the period and stuff, right now most people believe that he just had like some kind of stomach cancer and that's what killed him. All right. um, but his death was fortuitous, specifically for Oda Nobunaga, because he was one of like the few people that really could have opposed Nobunaga. Right. So the fact that he died when he did was... 
very, very coincidental right. and fortuitous. And it's always possible that, he, yeah, he did have some t- terrible stomach ailment, but also someone stabbed him in the butt. Right. Both guess, of those things could be true. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be a magical stomach cancer-granting spear. Or <laughs> maybe, maybe... <laughs> the likeliest of things. Maybe he just, like, he liked butt play a little too much, right? And he sort of had some distress down there, and he didn't want anybody checking it out, so he's like, was a ninja. All right, I got so, ninja'd. So when I die of rectal cancer, okay. can we all agree that we're going to say I was attacked by a ninja? Yes. And that's Sound. how I died? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Sounds good. Nice. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to this episode of Caustic Soda.